Guten Tag! Welcome to the Classical Music Pod. Against all the odds, we were invited backstage to the Ivers Composer Awards. Stay tuned to hear us try almost too hard to brand ourselves the ant and deck of classical music. Also, the late great Victoria Wood makes an appearance in this week's analysis. But not before some Handelian recycling. Hello, dear listeners. Hello, listeners. Tim and I are here backstage at the British Museum, and we are absolutely livid. Furious. Not to have been nominated. It turns out that there is no best jingle category. And so, in protest, we've turned up to hand out our own Podstacle Awards to the great and the good. The winner is... Sometimes Voices, composed by Alex Paxton. You're an improviser composer. Mm -hmm. I'm always interested in this membrane. When does it tip from one into the other, or do they start from completely different places? Oh, well, thanks for asking. It's definitely a really interesting thing to think about. I'm definitely someone who is promoting the idea that improvising is just slow composing and composing is slow improvising, but um, at the same time, lots of capital C composing, composer, recomposer, composer things are really important to me, and also lots of capital I improvising, improvising worlds and lineages of music are really important to me. But I'm also, I like, I'm always looking for new ways to, to do things. Also, um, I'm really concerned with what something sounds like. So everything I'm trying to do, I'm trying to make the most sensuous sound product I can. And whether I'm doing something that's closer to composing or something to something that's closer to improvising, uh, I'm using the tools for the job. Uh, it, it, certainly, in, in my writing is concerned. So I, I kind of I think of my writing process for composing being uh, you know, co- creating music really quickly, creating music really slowly, uh, and often I, I think I'm really interested in the these musics that sound uh, as exciting like they're happening for the first time now and anything could happen but actually there's so much coordination and complexity that that, that would be very unlikely in, an, in a true improvisational context so I quite like uh, milking this idea of I might have a layer of improvisation to start with um, and then I might plan kind of more compositional things that I need to work out and take me longer. So 
um, when I'm designing the edifice of each piece, I'm also designing um, like the process and, and where where all the lines are going to go, and then. So there might be, I might, in a, I love pet, painting simile metaphor things, mm. I don't know. Um, so I love, I, I would really like a, a Jackson Pollock splatter of paint or, a, or, or just a arm stroke paintbrush and not really worrying about the consequences but then I might I might think about it and how I can um, use more uh, compositional creative methods to enforce this with with energies in a different way that might lend itself more to kind of planned preemptive music creating I listen through to music for Bosch people. Oh, thank um, you so much. How do I know if I'm a Bosch person? And what is... I mean, we're not talking exclusively about washing machines. So. Uh, no, but, you know, if you use a washing machine, you're getting pretty close, I think. <laughs> um, how do you know if you're a Bosch person? I, 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 I don't know. The word has something, lots of connotations I like and a lot of connotations I don't like. But I, definitely the right title for, for that album. I think if you like the piece, you can be in my club of Bosch people. Excellent. And I'll send you a badge. Ah, well, uh, speaking of giving things out, we've got a secret bonus award. This is oh, my goodness. So gilding the lily of your... Oh! Someone we wish we'd known more about earlier, and we'd love to have you on for a, a full interview. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, I'd love to be on for a full interview. Thank you. Um, and we are running a little limerick competition. Okay. Uh, there was a young man called Ivor. There was a young man called Ivor who found they were really alive when they woke out of bed they immediately said OMG I'm alive <laughs> uh. Here with Alan Davy, controller of Radio 3 Hello Alan Hi there Could you tell me uh, what the collective noun for a group of composers is? A threnody of composers. Oh, very good. Very good. And uh, if there is a composer that you could, uh, dead or alive, that you could have dinner with, who would it be? Bach. That's a very good shout. Yes. <laughs> Rather than CPE or one of the many others. Not uh, Sibelius, I can keep it up with the drink. Yes, that's a very good one. So the winner is Catamorphosis, composed by Anna Thorvaldsdottir. So when I, I got the commission a few years ago from the Berlin Philharmonic, it was a very open commission and so you can just find whatever it is that you want to write. And, and it very quickly and early on in the piece, this, this idea of our fragile relationship to our earth, the way it was conceived, the way I was thinking about this fragile relationship, the shift and pull in, in atmosphere and and you know optimism and also catastrophe and and then I was really kind of in the middle of writing it when things were being cancelled and postponed and and then that became another layer actually in the piece. It's a it's a very personal piece, but it also has a, has a 
this grand scale kind of idea behind it that very kind of connects to the to our time in a way. Yeah. I mean, I gather that sort of the nature and landscape are very important to you. How do those themes manifest itself in your work generally in, in all your music? Yeah, it depends. It's different. I'm, in general, it's about kind of the structure and the, and the kind of flow of, in nature. Um, it's not really about taking sounds and, and putting them into the music, but it's more about experiencing the elements and the energy of nature because it's so many things. It can be very fragile and beautiful. It can also be very brutal in a way. So it's more about that energy. I understand that you often start writing pieces of music by drawing out or illustrating on pieces of paper. Can you yeah. unwrap that for me? Yeah, so the thing, I mean, it takes such a long time to write a big piece of music and my kind of, my passion is writing for a large scale um, and symphony orchestra. So I always spend a lot of time kind of initially finding the, the music that uh, the piece is going to be. And so in this stage, I use this kind of mnemonic device of writing out sketches so that I can remember the, the sounds. I mean, to anyone else, this, these sketches don't represent music, but to me, I can listen back to this. And uh, it helps me to kind of layer this throughout the composition process until I then sit down with the notation paper and pencil and start to write it out. So we've come up with uh, our own awards called the Podstacles, and uh, uh, we've printed them out on very high quality card, as you can see, and we've awarded you the sound of 2021 for consistently distinctive and utterly compelling musical voice. So congratulations on your Podstacle. You can fold that up and put it in your pocket. <laughs> Danny Howard, welcome back to the Classical Music Pod. How are you enjoying your Ivers? Oh, it's a wonderful evening. Lovely to see everyone after all this time. So, yeah, great night. I should tell our listeners, we've just been papped by Mark Allen on his, with a cheeky smile. <laughs> He's now laughing at us. I'd love to know if there's anybody that you're sort of particularly interested in at the moment that you've been following, that who's, you've been listening to lots of their music and you'd like to give a shout out to. I love Mason Bates. <laughs> Mason Bates. Um, I think he's fab. I've loved everything that he's recorded and um, this uh, Philharmonia Fantastique, this educational piece with Pixar and visuals he's just released is, looks incredible. Um, I'm a big fan and I can't wait to watch what else he writes. Will you be sticking around until midnight when all the exhibitions come to life? This is news to me, but sounds exciting. Oh yeah, the Elgin Marbles, they come to life. Oh, okay, yes, yes. Yeah, I'll see you there. I'm here with, so far, my favorite dressed person here at the Ivan Novello Awards, and I just wanted to ask them about their fantastic cape. Where do you get a cape? I made it. I just put, look, it's just two pieces of cloth on the front and held together with safety pins. That's brilliant. Could you tell us some more about who you are and what you're up to here tonight? I'm Caroline Crabble. I'm nominated for the Best Cape Award. No, I've been nominated for Sound Art. Brilliant. 26 and 28 March 2020, imitation inversion composed by Caroline Crabble. <laughs> Thank you.
before I congratulate you, earlier you told me that your sound art isn't classical music. Right. And I just wondered if you have a firm line drawn on that. Is it something that you've articulated and thought, this would be a piece of classical music and this would be a piece of sound art, or is it...? No, not at all. It's just that I feel my formation is completely outside the world of classical and contemporary music, and I would be, you know, I'd be claiming something to which I'm not entitled. Right. And not really interested in being entitled, although I respect, I love, I listen to classical, mm. you know, so-called classical and contemporary music. But it's this, I feel the same about jazz, actually, although I play yeah. the saxophone. It's a music I love, but I would never say, oh, I'm a jazz musician. It's, yeah. You know, it's, I'm not. And some of that formation is busking on the Paris Metro, is that right? Oh, that's how I started. Yeah, yeah. very good. I've done some research. I mean, you know, we do the silly questions This as was well, in but. the 80s. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, as a teenager, or just early 20s, maybe. Do you still feel connected to that musician, or was there a sort of, course, of reinvention? Yeah. Like, what yeah. I think the thing about that that I love is that I like being put on the spot. Yeah. I love to improvise. Obviously, if I had to put a name to what I do, I would say I'm an improviser, even though this particular piece of work for which I've been awarded this award contains no improv- improvising whatsoever. And so, as an improviser... When do you think, oh, I better, that's good, that's, I better get that down on paper? Or is it a different... No, no, no I never think that. The improvising is a process. Yeah. And I think you have to seek out the things that don't feel good. You know, it's not at all a product. Yeah. It's an experience that you share with the people who are with you, either other, well, other musicians and listeners. Obviously, I do try and make it sound nice sometimes, <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like the most important moments are when you... Like the use of the voice, it's something I do a lot. And mm. that came just out of, almost by accident. And, and then thinking, actually, that accident was the best thing. Yeah. I, do, I just wanted to add one thing. I said there's no improvising in this, this piece of work, mm. but it actually comes out of a lot of, um, I walk around in London Mm. and I play the saxophone while I'm walking. I don't always mimic the sounds I hear, but I, I've done, you know, probably yeah. more of that than most people, most <laughs> saxophone players. So car sounds especially, yeah. which are really challenging. Mm. And that's something that I did use in this. Is it an imitation? <laughs> That's London, 26th and 28th of March, 2020. Um, could you just flesh out the concept for anybody who hasn't come across it yet? <laughs> oh, all those, those very few people in the universe those who haven't come across it. who are yet to have their life changed. Right, exactly. Um, so it's about the COVID lockdown that started on the 23rd of March in London last year, mm. the 2020. On the 26th and the 28th, I went out for permitted exercise, do you remember that? I do. On my bike and um, took some film or took some shots of London on my phone to give my kids, to show my kids. Because they weren't really bothered about permitted exercise, they just stayed indoors. Um, And then I thought, this is powerful stuff, even though it's just a shaky handheld rubbish telephone. In fact, I held the phone the wrong way up the first day. (laughs) and I got told off by my kids. But, um, 
basically the imitation section is all the soundtrack is replaced by me imitating the same sounds but on the saxophone with the voice and then the inversion section is much more complicated to explain but basically I've taken used the original sound to create a music that is inside out that's loud where the original was quiet and that's noisy or that's some high where the original was low for example if you see you see a bus going past and it goes quiet because the bus was very loud it just came to me as an idea without any sort of meaning attached to it but I think it relates Mm. In fact, to the absence is the holes, because the, the music sounds like a series of gaps. Oh, well. Oh, and it, it's, it's dedicated to um, Carol Chant, who was a great artist and musician, not enough recognized, and who died of COVID. And also, I want to say, um, I've been thinking about the word innovation, and for me, it doesn't really exist in a, in a bubble by itself. It's, it's, it's really about... The, the community and the environment that that makes you or makes me who what I am so this is to just all the people that I've ever encountered and worked with throughout my whole career um, uh, especially the ones that you never hear about the people you never hear about so this is for you all thank you Cleveland Watkins uh, congratulations thank you so we're, much we're running a, a sort of Awards alongside the awards that have been given out tonight, they're called the Podsticles. Oh, yeah. They're slightly tongue-in-cheek, and we've actually got one for you here. <laughs> here we go. We've given you the Strumpet Award oh, wow. for collaborating with the most extraordinary and eclectic oh, group man. of artists we've oh. ever seen. Oh, thank and you I would so like much. to present this to you officially the from the Classical Music Pod. Oh, thank you the so Podsticles. much. Yeah. The Podsticles. It's thank a great you so pleasure. Much. And, Liza Beck, it's a great pleasure to meet you at the Ivers. Well, you're a member of the Ivers Academy, are you? Yeah, I am indeed, and it's lovely to meet you. You're going to have a go uh, completing our limerick, am I right? There was a young man called Ivor. Um, who got a blowjob from a tiger. The Ivan Academy's Impact Award 2021. Zoe Rahman. Zoe Rahman. Can you tell me how important you think awards like this are for a composer's or musician's career? Or indeed, if you think they're not important at all, I'd be interested to know. <laughs> Do you know, I think as a platform to recognise composition as a very important art form, you know, and that give creative people like myself um, acknowledgement and um, and I, I think that's a fantastic thing especially in the world we're living in at the moment where music really has been devalued to such a point where people don't know who's com you know who the composers are of the music they're listening to It's amazing for me to feel that my music, all, all these years that I've been creating music, I mean, it's 20 years since my first album came out. So, you know, in all that time, I've just been writing my own music, playing it with musicians, going around doing gigs. It's a daily kind of struggle for me um, to get my music heard. And, um, you know, but to be recognised in this way is a, a beautiful thing. winner 
of the Solo Award this year is Lampardus, composed by Martin Iden. Congratulations, Thank Martin. Thank you so much. That's quite exciting. How's the adrenaline peak doing? It's okay now. It's fine. <laughs> um, despite the fact I'm, I'm just about to talk in public, one of the things I, I, I... Also, I'm an academic. My job is to talk in front of people. Mm-hmm. I hate talking in front of people. And so everything up until the point of the nomination, I, either it's going to be fine because you just go, oh, okay, it's not me, I can just sit down, it's fine, I can ignore all this. Or you go, okay, so I have to go and do a thing. And that's going to make me not think about the adrenaline anymore. Your tuba piece is 30 minutes long for solo tuba. I just, when that, uh, does it start life thinking it's going to be on this scale? And if it, or does it develop? How do you structure that amount of time? So for ages, I've been, I've been trying to write longer pieces that do less. It, and and it's, it, it, it's as far as I've got with that. And it is, to be honest, it's the piece that when I, I, I looked at it, I went, I think this might be career ending. Because <laughs> it really does very, very little for, 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 for really quite a long period of time. And the, I mean, the, the, the question all, all about that is whether if you do the same, more or less the same thing, just these slight fluctuations in a very narrow bandwidth over a long time, either it's terribly, horribly boring, <laughs> or it gets more and more interesting. I, I should maybe confess, when I, was, when I was a student, I don't know how this happened, um, I was at my friend Adam's house, and he had um, a ghetto blaster that had a loop function on it. And for some reason, we looped two seconds out of Goretzky 3. Nice. Um, and Adam went out, and I sat there and listened to it. And, and after 10 minutes, it was awful. After 20 minutes, it was the worst thing that had ever happened in my life. At <laughs> half an hour, it started to get really interesting. Right. And at about 50 minutes, I never wanted it ever to stop. And about hour and 15, I had to go to a lecture. Excellent. So th- 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 that seems to be a really formative experience in, in kind of going, in, in buying that idea that, that you get from Cage, that if something's boring after, after two minutes, try it for four. If it's boring after four, try it for eight. If it's boring after eight, try it for <laughs> 16. And maybe it'll turn out that it's not boring at all, but really interesting. Rob Lele, welcome to the Classical Music Pod. I noticed you've put your food down. <laughs> it's a serious uh, Vox Pop, though, yeah. It's a very serious Vox Pop, I have, you know. Could you complete the limerick? <laughs> uh, there was a young man called Ivor. Oh, God. He'd write you any piece for a fiver. How would you rate the bathrooms at the British Museum? I think I'd give them a... Eight, no, no, wow. half of that, a four, a four, a four <laughs> out of ten, because they're quite nice, but I feel like since we're in the British Museum, they really could have plundered a better bathroom yeah. for us to, you know, we could have some Mesopotamian stuff going on in there, right. you know, we could have... Or a mummy on the wall. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah a genuine or, mummy, yeah. The Elgin marbles. I would, the Elgin marbles should be, well, you should be looking at them while you piss. Ooh, it was a jolly night. Tim, one of the things that jumped out at me from all of that was the different approaches to improvisation that Caroline Krabble and Alex Paxton seem to have. You're a composer. What's the thought on that? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting as well. Caroline seemed to be suggesting that composition was sort of entirely separate, a different entity, a different part of the brain, whereas improvisation was... uh, was something unique to that moment wasn't it um something that could only be shared 
amongst the people present in the room mm. whereas alex it kind of the, the two seem to bleed into each other a lot more yeah because they're not strictly contradictory necessarily but it's just different emphasis different compartmentalization of how they conceive of their process i think mm-hmm. one thing that i found pleasantly surprising is that almost without exception the composers we spoke to were really good sports uh, mm. kind of defying that stereotype of the beard stroking uh, rolnick wearing composer that takes themselves very seriously and isn't capable of having a laugh i don't know did you find that yeah absolutely and thinking of someone like martin Iden, who on paper is you know he's an academic composer he's got a beard i was a little bit worried i'd listen to his piece <laughs> and actually he rocked up and was really fun and said he thought of it as a, a possible career ender when he put it together mm. but hearing him talk about the piece i felt so much more enthusiastic about it afterwards and um he was just a really good sport as was cleveland watkiss when you called him a strumpet I yeah he took that well well indeed caroline crabble when you commented on her cape yes and it was a real treat to see her flowing down the hallway after her win it was yeah just brilliant Sam, you gave out the Keyboard Warrior Award, although uh, we weren't unfortunately able to get any audio, but could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I chased Howard Goodall out the door as I saw him leaving and thought, oh, I've got a, I've got a piece of paper for you, and chased him. And he was very polite about receiving an award that actually comes with a slightly derogatory title, but I explained to him that it was for his championing of musical causes in the digital spheres, and he was absolutely charming. And uh, we had a nice chat about Big Bangs mm. from whenever it was, 2001, that we definitely both watched in music lessons in secondary school. You also really enjoyed his piece, am I right? I did, and I fangirled about it to him for a while. Uh, his piece, Never to Forget, I found really moving. It's a setting of the 122 names of NHS staff who at that point had lost their lives working in the pandemic. And I just found the care with which he set each of those, you know, really set with emphasis and phrasing each one of those names for the London Symphony of Chorus to then record at home and, you know, the care that was given to that process as well. Um, it just made me think as someone who is vicariously connected to NHS staff you know, that same love and effort that went into the piece, I just wish it had been there for them at a more critical moment. Um, mm. And yeah, it, it just got me. That It just got me in that one. Tim, I've got to say, you're a real rock star on the night, producing some very helpful and thoroughly researched notes for us to refer to. Did anything come up during that research process that got you thinking that we haven't talked about so far? Yeah, when listening to all of the pieces nominated pretty much every single one perhaps with the exception of the howard goodall that you mentioned had a very conspicuously low number of either listens or views on whatever it was youtube or soundcloud so clearly not many people are imbibing this music yeah and there was that article uh, a few months ago wasn't there about a poet who basically acknowledged this about contemporary poetry and was then being ostracized that in that case poems were being written for poets and i think here contemporary music is being written for contemporary music composers and how much of a public impact is that having can you complain if public funding is withdrawn if you're not having a significant public impact probably not if you write a piece in a forest and no one hears it, 
does it even exist? And I think that it's not totally incumbent on composers to solve that problem. But I think if you don't acknowledge it as a problem, then you're on a dodgy road. Popularity as a metric isn't the only metric, but to disregard it altogether, to me, feels foolhardy. And also it's a shame because, as Renell Shaw said when presenting the Jazz Composition Award to Nicky Isles, the first award of the night, contemporary music and jazz offer this opportunity to see something of yourself in the music. So we want to show it to as many people as possible. The language of jazz is filled with history and culture, but leaves enough space for us to add a few words of our own. Because all of us, if we look closely, can find a tiny part of ourselves within the music. For me, jazz is an art form that enhances the honorable qualities of our nature. It teaches us to lead and to know when to follow. It encourages us to be bold and to understand the value of sensitivity. It teaches you how to convey what you have to say effectively. But most importantly, it encourages you to listen. You got to pick a pocket or two. The Saraband from Act 3 of Handel's 1705 opera, Almira. Lascia la spina, cogli la rosa, or leave the thorn, take the rose, from Handel's 1707 oratorio, The Triumph of Time and Delusion. Lascia Kio Pianja, or Leave Me to Weep, from Act Two of Handel's 1711 opera Rinaldo. Last time we were analysing, we put out a shout-out for pieces that were not household names, but that we wanted to popularise. The character actors of the classical music world. And you replied, dear listeners, in your droves. Or at least one drove. A drift? There, there were at least a few. Okay, droves. And one that particularly caught the eye was Franz Schmidt's Symphony No. 4, suggested for us by Chris Legg. The Leg Man. Mr. Pins. The Shintown Bandit. Our superfly thigh guy. From tibia to patella, he's our kind of fella. And so we've been getting to know this wonderful, with a capital W, piece written in 1933. Here's a taster. The first thing to say is that it's really hard not to project Schmidt's biography onto this piece. 
I know you're trying not to at the moment. And that's not because I think it's necessarily wrong to do so. I'm just seeing what it feels like when you don't. And how does it feel with Schmidt? Nicht so gut! Whoa there. It's a serious impulse that I'm trying to resist. So cannot resist! Resistance is futile, Herr Untermensch! It made all the harder, because his life is an interesting one. Hang on. What are you doing there? Is this uh, Werner Herzog or the Borg? I feel like you're mixing it all up. Sorry. No, you'll get good accent prep when we do Werner. No, I was going for more of a Doctor Strangelove vibe. People thought inaccurately, it seems, that Schmidt might have been a Nazi sympathiser. Terrific. Referencing a film from 1964 to help explain a symphony from 1933. We're nothing if not current. Could you give us the highlights of Franz's life to avoid straining the impression any further? Born in modern-day Slovakia, young Franz was an Austro-Hungarian cellist, pianist and composer. He played cello under Mahler in the Vienna Court Opera Orchestra, premiered Schoenberg's early works like Verklagte Nacht, before becoming a piano professor at the Vienna Conservatory. A double threat. When Leopold Godowski was praised as the world's greatest living pianist, he is supposed to have said, well, the other is Franz Schmidt. Sounds like it was Alles going immer for him professionally. But alas, his private life was filled with tragedy. His wife, Caroline, was confined to the Vienna Mental Hospital in 1919, and his daughter died shortly after giving birth to her first child. Poor man. In the last year of his life, Hitler's unification of Austria and Germany, the Anschluss, led to Schmidt being praised as one of the Reich's greatest living composers. And, as we've heard, being branded a Nazi isn't easy to shake off. And that may be a contributing factor as to why this piece hasn't been heard as much as some others by his non-Schluss contemporaries. But... And that's a big but. We are keen to get into the music and see if it deserves reclaiming from those damn Nazis. Damn Nazis. Analysis. The first thing you hear in Symphony No. 4 is a 23-bar unaccompanied trumpet solo that sounds like the offspring of Mahler's symphonic back catalogue and Charles Ives' unanswered question. It's got these wide, unpredictable intervals in, and I find it hard to get any firm sense of key at all. I'm not sure what mood I'm meant to take from hearing this. No, me neither. It's a confusing, stark opening that feels isolated. And it's a real solo too, no warm bed of sound to come in on. This isn't Dvorak 9's Cor Anglais solo. Or even a Sibelius Symphony Orchestra solo tends to have a blur of orchestral landscape behind solo instruments. This is real aloneness, like uh, the bassoon in the Rite of Spring, or a more angular brass Debussy. This ultra-exposed texture happens a few other times in Symphony No. 4. For glimpses, instruments are left totally on their own. Mein Führer! The trumpet was Schmidt's instrument as a child. He wants the biographical association. Get down, get down! I was just going to talk about the cello solo in the second movement. Mein Führer! The cello was his instrument as an adult. Down! Down! Tim, maybe play a nice clip and give me a second. 
We just heard the beginning of the Coranglais solo. Always worth remembering it's neither a horn nor English. Nor French either. Probably originated in Poland. What else is worth noting is the rising figure that comes a little later in the solo. On a note-by-note level, I think it's got great emotional density. Break it down for us, then. Well, we get the first three notes of a minor scale. But rising, so a hint of light in that traditionally darker mode, but then a wide leap upwards. Ooh, jangly. Yes, it's a tritone. The devil's interval. But to a note still within the scale. Exactly. It feels distant, but actually isn't really. It is rising upwards, but falls short of the apex. This. Rather than this. The whole motif is bound up in contradiction and feeling both things at once. Like the loss of a child during the birth of a grandchild, yeah. Stop it. Throughout the symphony, the motivic material feels like Janus. Pardon, Sam, we we tried to keep the pod PG. Couldn't you just say uh, bottom there? No, Janus, Tim. The Roman god after whom January is named as he looks in two directions at once, backwards and forwards. Or in this case, positive and negative at once. And did you hear about his Welsh brother? No. Yes, Hugh Janus. Speaking of jokes so bad they're good, Les Dawson. A king of musical humour. He had a famous routine of pairing a tune in one key with the accompaniment in another. Tim Minchin, chop your nose off. And that juxtaposition of things that sound almost like they go together but actually don't, he used comedic effect. Bill Bailey, go suck on an exhaust pipe. And Schmidt is also often juxtaposing different material, either emotionally contradictory or even, like Dawson, bitonality. They feel like they should reconcile, but they don't. Mm, Victoria Wood can go, actually, Victoria Wood's just as good. Agreed. (laughs) At the end of the symphony, I find myself feeling bereft, hollow. Like there's something missing. A child! Calm, calm, calm. Because Schmidt elides the traditional four movements into one, the listener has 45 minutes or so of continuous music before that silence hits you like a chasm. It's a very palpable feeling of something missing. And even though there has been, to some extent, a climactic swish of thematic material linked all the way back to the first movement... It's essentially the recapitulation from that movement, no? Exactly. But even those triumphant moments have some minor swirled in with the major. We never fully escape the Janus duality. There is always some negative mirror reflecting the positive object. And the big, loud, swirly climax comes quite a long time before the end, I felt. Yes, there's enough time for a postlude, a sort of hymn at the end before the trumpet soloist returns for a nerve-jangling solo in the last bars. Chops of steel required. Feel that at the end. We think we've landed safe on something, but then the trumpet raises a semitone of doubt before returning to that home base alone. Isolated. Grieving the loss of his family. Well, perhaps. Oh, 
Knobladov. Well, he does call it a requiem for my daughter. There is biographical stuff to think about here. What does it mean if you reference Beethoven's Eroica, as Schmidt does with the texture of his funeral march in the second movement, when you've dedicated the piece to your deceased daughter? Is she your hero? Writing extended solos for instruments you are known to play does invite narratives to be constructed around it. Maybe there is something to be said for a great piece gaining further elevation by being surrounded by rich stories. Our listening can find a balance between the historical context and the musical interest within. The kind of Janus equilibrium that old Schmidt expressed in his music so well. A bit of both. And no mention of Nazis needed. (laughs) No, plurality was never really their thing, was it? Well, hopefully we'll have more people listening to Schmidt, his fourth symphony and other pieces by him, and thanks to Chris the Pin's leg for setting us on this path. Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog is out there, still circling like a shark in the water, forced to eat a kangaroo testicle. His liver was pecked out by an eagle. What monkey glands are they eating? His dog uh, just made a more sensible contribution uh, than he did. Yes, Kermit the Frog sang. We will take back control of our fisheries. Unnecessarily rude to Miss Piggy, I thought. He's a very eel-like customer. But it is up to us now to let that lion roar. And time, I think, to put a bit of a tiger in the tank and, and get this thing done. Kermit the Frog. Yes. Kermit the Frog is out there, still circling like a shark in the water. Straight into a massive elephant trap. I swallowed a bug. This is not all about some expensive green act of bunny hugging. I know it's bunny hugging, but you, you, you know what I'm driving at. We send you penguins, and they're the bear. Uh, those are not. That's not mine. Um, well. Before we leave you, a quick thank you to Rebecca Johns for mm. getting us into the Ivers, and of course, a big thank you to all of the composers at the Ivers for being good sports and uh, chatting to us and agreeing to answer very silly questions. Very silly questions, intentionally silly questions. And uh, another big thank you to Chris, the centipede leg. Uh, for suggesting a fantastic piece that I had no knowledge of at all, and I'm going to look forward to listening to the rest of Schmidt's output now. Uh, Well, not right now, but soon. A final reminder that it is the season of giving and generosity, so maybe check out our coffee page linked below and just leave us a little something in our stocking. Plurality. 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 Farmer. Plurality. Plurality. I can't say that word. (laughs)